break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 8th of September, 2021. Very happy to be back with you this week. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking a little bit about the state of the economy after the lackluster jobs report at the end of last week. We're going to be talking about how the farmers' struggle in India is ongoing. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we're going to be talking about the very high serious injury rate happening in Amazon's warehouses. Despite its growing role in multiple sectors of U.S. commerce, Amazon also has a growing reputation problem as stories about their brutal labor practices continue to leak out of warehouses and from the workers driving their trucks. And most notably have probably been the denial of bathroom breaks and brutal speed-up process in terms of what has turned the narrative process against them in many ways, the very real pain behind their promises of very fast delivery. The Strategic Organizing Center has taken a look at the impact of Amazon's warehouse practices to quantify some of what people are experiencing, and the results of their study are, in a way, quite clear, just looking at the title, primed for pain. The bottom line, and this is based on 2017 through 2020 data from the Occupational Health and Safety Administration, or OSHA, reveals that, quote, workers at Amazon warehouses are not only injured more frequently than in non-Amazon warehouses, they are also injured more severely, end quote. The report also notes that the government data shows that, quote, each year, tens of thousands of Amazon workers are injured on the job. In 2020 alone, there were 27,178 total recordable injuries, and that's defined as injuries requiring medical treatment beyond first aid or restricting or eliminating a worker's ability to continue at the worker's regular job. The vast majority of these injuries were serious. In 2020, 24,505 or 90% of the injuries were categorized as either light duty or lost time injuries. That is injuries where workers were hurt so badly that they were unable to perform their regular job functions or forced to miss work entirely. But another way, for every 100 Amazon warehouse workers, there were 5.9 serious injuries. And the Strategic Organizing Center report goes on to note that Amazon outruns their competitors in terms of hurting people through brutal labor practices, noting that, quote, in 2020, when Amazon's injury rates were likely lower due to major COVID-related operational changes, there were 6.5 injuries per 100 Amazon warehouse workers, as compared to four injuries per 100 at all other warehouses. And they went on to further note that, quote, in 2020, for every 100 Amazon warehouse workers, there were 5.9 serious injuries requiring the worker to either miss work entirely or be placed on light or restricted duty. That rate is nearly 80 percent higher than the serious injury rate for all other employers in the warehousing industry in 2020. 
And in a measure of how serious many of these injuries really were, the report further details that, quote, Amazon workers who were injured at work also took longer than other workers in the warehousing industry to recover. In 2020, Amazon workers who experienced lost time injuries were forced off work for an average of 46.3 days, more than a month and a half. That is a week longer than the average recovery time for workers injured in the general warehouse industry and more than two weeks longer than the recovery time for the average worker who suffered a lost time injury. And the report also compared Amazon specifically to Walmart. That's their biggest competitor and found, quote, in all four years covered by this report, SOC's analysis found that Amazon warehouses were far more dangerous than Walmart's. In 2020, Amazon's overall warehouse injury rate 6.5 per 100 Amazon employees, was over twice that of Walmart, 3 per 100 employees. While Amazon's severe injury rate, 2.6 per 100 employees, was more than two and a half times Walmart's, 1 per 100 employee. And if all that isn't enough, the report also details that, quote, in 2019, the last year of injury data available prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, Amazon's sortable facilities with robotic technology had a serious injury rate of 7.9 per 100 workers, more than 54% higher than the serious injury rate at non-robotic sortable facilities in the same year. So much for technology, I guess. And all this just makes it even more galling to think that in just the period between March and September of 2020, Jeff Bezos' wealth increased to such a degree that he could have given all 876,000 Amazon employees a $105,000 bonus and still have been as wealthy as he was before the pandemic. But of course, why would he do that? He's only so rich because of the exact practices we just outlined here, pushing people to the absolute limit and beyond in order to increase profits. India's struggle by farmers caught the eye of the world nine months ago as huge numbers of farmers descended on that nation's capital of Delhi, demanding a repeal of three farm laws sure to increase the suffering of already strapped small farmers. Their protests and roadblocks at times have paralyzed the capital and taken over major parts of the city. While the protests have fallen out of the international headlines, they have not stopped. And over this past weekend, in the northern state of Uttar Pradesh, a center of farmers' organization, a massive meeting of 500,000 farmers was held as a show of strength. As one speaker at the rally noted, quote, The central government has been saying that only a handful of farmers are protesting. Let them see how many of us are protesting now. Representatives from 22 states and over 300 organizations participated in the protest. And in addition to farmers, workers and student organizations from various parts of the country were also present. The event also resolved to call a nationwide strike on September 27th. Farmers are demanding that the government revoke the three contentious farm laws introduced to allow farmers to sell their produce directly to big buyers. And meanwhile, farmers are worried about that because they fear losing the minimum support price, which is basically a minimum wage that before you couldn't pay people less than that, will hurt their livelihood and leave them with no real bargaining power against these private retailers and food processors that can now come in and control what they are paid because they control the entire market. Farmer Balbir Singh described to the news organization NewsClick the impact of unleashing private traders who can pay any price they want into agricultural areas. Quote, the agricultural market officials would reject your produce on the pretext of excessive moisture. The farmers who would get Indian rupees 1,888 
per quintal of rice are compelled to sell it for Indian rupees 1600 per quintal. That hardly covers our cost. We are deeply distressed. Our children are languishing at home because there are no jobs. We came here to join our brothers to show our unity. End quote. Farmers' organizations in Uttar Pradesh are now taking their struggle to every village in the state to spread the word about the farmers' plight and involve people in the protests. In Punjab as well, farmers are planning to escalate protests on September 8th if trumped-up legal charges against farmer protests are not dropped. Either way, it's clear that despite a combination of repression and fake concessions, India's farmers will not be cowed or bowed down to the new reality threatening their livelihood. Well, we just passed Labor Day weekend here in the United States, and away, it was a very ironic one this go-around because it wasn't really a strong Labor Day weekend as it concerns employment or rather the unemployment front. On Friday, the jobs report reflected a significant slowdown in job growth, while on Monday, the actual Labor Day holiday, 9 million workers lost access to expanded unemployment benefits enacted during the pandemic that were ended because, allegedly, the trend on the job market was only going up. While that was never true, the combination of the events goes to show not only how callous government officials are by allowing the benefits to lapse, but also the precarious reality the economy is in. The 235,000 jobs added in August was a significant slowdown from June and July. That was clearly a result of the rise of the Delta variant. As the National Employment Law Project notes, quote, in August, the number of people who reported that they had been unable to work because their employer closed or lost business due to the pandemic increased by 497,000 people to 5.6 million. One and a half million people were prevented from looking for work due to the pandemic. The National Employment Law Project also notes that while the unemployment rate essentially held steady at 5.2%, with the number of unemployed people slightly declining to 8.4 million people, they also detail how this is substantially higher than the pre-pandemic 3.5% unemployment rate and 5.7 million unemployed people. They go on to note that, quote, the unemployment rate declined to 4.5% for white workers and 4.6% for Asian workers, but it remained discriminately high for black workers at 8.8% and Latino workers at 6.4%. The unemployment rate for black men increased from 8.4% in July to 9.1% compared to an improved 4.4% for white men. And combining these numbers with the cutoff in unemployment benefits, it seems likely hardship in the population will increase. Going into the month of August, some 63 million adults, 27% of all adults in the country, reported it was somewhat or very difficult for their household to cover usual expenses in the past seven days, according to the Census's Household Pulse survey. And that was coming off of two good months of job growth. The overall point here is while there is a big amount of rah-rah type sentiment about the recovery from the COVID-induced economic crisis, that crisis has not abated. The so-called recovery is not 100% stable, and either way, it's leaving millions of people seriously struggling. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. 
And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah.